The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me, a world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventure's pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate. Teach! So call me at 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, Jim Kramer. NVIDIA's stock is not defying gravity with this magnificent 16% move today. It's defying unwarranted negativity and cynicism and a picayune way of thinking about how stocks are hostage to an all-powerful Fed. On a day where NVIDIA's proposal set the whole market higher, Dow jumping 4 to 57 points, S&P gaining 2.1%, NASDAQ pole voting 2.96%. of pleasure. We need to analyze why so many people didn't want to buy a stock that tacked on a record $277 billion in one day, eclipsing a record formerly held by Meta for the largest single session gain in stock market history. First, let's just say I did my best to get you in it. I've been recommending NVIDIA endlessly off multiple times a week, both here and in the club for a decade now. I knew early on that I had the fastest, by far the fastest processors, much faster than traditional computing, because one of my old hedge fund clients was on the board of Intel back in the day. It was always upset that Intel refused to get into the speedy graphics processing unit business. But then CEO Andy Grove bridled at the thought, because back then, gaming chips were considered low end and not good for much of anything beyond pretty video game graphics. They were cheap. They were cheesy. They were worthless to him. Meanwhile, there were early adopters away from the video games. So companies like Audi North America that told me NVIDIA's chips were so much faster than Intel's and everybody else's that it wasn't even a competition to see who should put the chips into the Audis. Oh, I pursued the NVIDIA story aggressively. And after that, I came to you with the idea immediately. For years, I've told you that even though NVIDIA seemed expensive, the stock would always end up looking cheap in retrospect because the actual earnings would be much higher than expected. I documented this time and time again, yet for ages, nobody seemed to catch on. Then you know what? Finally, I got so darn fed up with my inability to get people's attention to buy the stock that I just renamed my darn dog NVIDIA in a blatant gambit to sell you on this amazing company. This $785 stock was just under $40 back then for the renaming. I think the dog is what finally got through to some people, because since that time, I am stopped a lot and thanked for NVIDIA. 
But why did I have to take the extreme and shocking irrational action of slapping the name NVIDIA on my half pit bull, half who knows what rescue mutt to cut through the clutter? All right, let's figure this out. First, I blame the big picture strategists, the talking heads who endlessly fixate on the Fed, the Fed, the Fed, the Fed, and then the Fed, including every Fed official who wants to share his or her opinion on interest rates. I'm not against keeping one eye on the Fed. That's essential, something I learned in 1982 when I was at Goldman Sachs. They reminded me that high interest rates can take money from stocks as an asset class, and of course, they can signal that there's going to be higher inflation. But even though the Fed took rates extremely high in the early 80s, nobody ever suggested you should avoid Microsoft or Intel because rates were volatile. You would have missed out on two of the best runs in history if you did that. These days, though, we treat interest rates as the be-all and end-all. Some of these pontificators make it sound like you shouldn't own any stocks at all if the Fed's not going to cut rates. Geez, I was making millions of bucks in the market back then when rates were twice as high as they are now, and this is coming after 11 straight hikes. Hey, look, I'm sorry to be so blunt about it, so meretricious, but I can't come up with a more diplomatic way to say it. I just think the Fed and the bond market and the yield curve have become blinders. They keep you from buying high-quality stocks. Or look at it like this. Do you think that Jensen Wong sat back at that Denny's where he thought of these graphics cards and said, oh, gee, I don't know, what's the Fed thinking? Or I'm worried about the twos and the tens. Or what's Loretta Mester saying? Too many people just dwell too much on what I consider to be inside baseball stuff. They miss the big picture. Pictures like the fact that we have great leaders like Jensen Wong or Steve Jobs, Tim Cook at Apple, Jeff Bezos, Andy Jassy at Amazon, Elon Musk at Tesla, Mark Zuckerberg at Meta. They can triumph over this noise. You think those guys paid attention to these faux constraints? No way. See, their eyes, their eyes were on the prize. In the end, all this Fed talk is only relevant to super large hedge funds, the ones so big that individual stocks aren't enough to move the needle, so they don't even invest in them. These managers obsess over the big picture because they can only invest in the averages. Too much macro, not enough willingness to get your hands dirty learning about GPUs versus CPUs and generative this and large language models that. Notice how rarely they ever talk about individual stocks. Notice how rarely they ever help you. Then there's the cynicism. Oh, we got this bias in the media. Anyone who's made a lot of money is treated with a certain level of suspicion, with the exception of the same in Warren Buffett. Everyone seems to be purely out for themselves. What if there are actual leaders who genuinely have a long-term vision, one that can make you a lot of money if you just stick with them? That's why I say own NVIDIA, don't trade it, or own Apple, don't trade it. There's no other way to get through to people that these CEOs aren't simply overpaid carnival barkers. Or how about a belief that no company can be as big as NVIDIA or Apple or the other trillionaire names? Their size makes them suspect. But why does NVIDIA have to be held to the standards of the small fry when it's starting a new industrial revolution based on super fast computing? It's not alchemy for heaven's sake. It's blood, it's sweat, and it is indeed chairs. It is. All right, go back 24 hours if you doubt me. Go back to what people were saying. Say it over. Let's go back to what people were saying Tuesday. All right. The long knives were out for NVIDIA here and many other places because so many people just know. Well, it's, let's put it this way. I don't think the critics even knew what this company did. That's right. So many of them came on air. They didn't know what they did. They don't know what, they don't know what NVIDIA is about. It's not just that they didn't do their homework. And believe me, most of them did. It's that they hadn't had a chance to go beyond, behind the scenes and know what this company is about. Nearly five years ago, I went to NVIDIA's headquarters, and Jensen Wong asked me to speak to a computer. What he said was itching to paint whatever I wanted it to. I mean, I was looked at scans. I told the computer, though, I wanted a Cezanne seascape. A few seconds later, there it was. The machine knew Cezanne didn't paint seascapes, but it gave it the old computer science try, and it worked. 
Jensen watched my amazement with glee. Next time I came out, he actually made me. That's right, with a Philadelphia accent and all, which both Kramer fave actors Kate Winslet and Jensen described as very hard to get right. Even I could barely tell the difference, except the Jensen made Kramer knew more about how to put on a show than I did. Each time I come back from NVIDIA World Headquarters and try to explain my amazement, but nobody believed. What I, I talked about how a fast food restaurant chain could replace the person on the drive through speakerphone with a computer that speaks 27 languages, never makes a mistake, labor savings, errors banished, people of all nationalities picking your restaurant because of this NVIDIA system. Not one of these companies had any interest. Not even a French fries worth of curiosity. If I were frustrated, you can only imagine what Jensen felt like. And then out of nowhere, ChatGPT. ChatGPT took the world by storm. Friend of Jensen's. The technology was based on everything Jensen had showed me for years. Understand, Jensen and his team knew it was just a matter of time, which is why he was ready with hundreds of thousands of graphics cards for that magic moment. So what did you need to get NVIDIA right? All right. You needed curiosity. You needed a sense of wonderment. You needed to suspend the endless cynicism. You need to unshackle yourself from the chains of the macro. And you needed either some genuine homework or a qualified teacher like Jensen or himself, or maybe you believe my analogy to Taylor Swift. Bottom line, in short, to nail NVIDIA, you need to do the exact opposite of everything that captures the conventional wisdom of modern day investing in this country. What a crime against rationality. A certain amount of skepticism is always healthy, but if you're trying to make money in the stock market, you got to believe in something. If you can't do that, if you can't believe in the progress, if you can't believe in the people, well, you'll never be able to stick with a winner like NVIDIA. It just cuts against the cynical zeitgeist, and guess what? It keeps you in the... Trading chains! Ray in Illinois, please, Ray. Yo, Jay Philly, chill. A yeah. big Windy City booyah to you. Nice. What's happening out there in Windy City? Uh, just a nice uh, early spring day. My Good question is regarding a stock that has been an absolute beast for my portfolio. Given their current valuation and NVIDIA's recent announcement, they, they are creating a new uh, business unit that will focus on application-specific chips, as Broadcom does. Is it time to ring the register, or does Broadcom have further to run? I saw my friend Stephanie Link today, and we were walking around right here on the floor, and she and I were both singing the praises of ABGO, which is Broadcom. It is not the right time to go from Broadcom. You guys, hey, look, Hocktan is a moneymaker. That stock is going to go higher. How about we go to Sam in Colorado? Sam. Jim, how are you? Doing well. How about you, Sam? I, I'm all right, Jim. You know, I think I think I got a stock for you that has uh, two potential catalysts that could be could be massive. And one giant issue, we got to talk about Rivian. Uh, you know, 2021 IPO, massive IPO, stock now down 90%. Uh, curious what you think about the valuation now that it's down at $10 billion. Oh, I was bummed today, I have to tell you, because I saw, you know, I went to see Mr. Scringe in Brooklyn, and I was, I was bummed because on his conference, we talked about historically high interest rates hurting the business. And I, I wish he hadn't said that. He said it several times. It, it doesn't jive with what I think, which is that there's right now it's tough to sell these cars. And I did think the Phil Lebeau's interview this morning was brilliant because he did put the feet to the flame. And I didn't come away feeling as good as I wanted to. Let's go to Brooklyn, which I didn't know this is in Kentucky. Brooklyn. <laughs> Booyah, Jim. I want to know your thoughts on Airbnb. I like Airbnb very much. You know what? I, one of the things that just incredible. I mean, it, it ain't. Look, I, all right, riddle me this. 
Why does Brian Chesky not get the respect of so many of these other entrepreneurs? Because I think Chesky's fantastic. I like the app. We use it. It is a buy. No, it is a solid buy. Up six today. Hey, you know what? We're not done. Let's go to Dan in Georgia. Dan. Hey, Jim. I'm looking to add a couple of long-term marquee brands to my stock portfolio that pay dividends consistently. Mm-hmm. So I've been checking out Ford and Coca-Cola. Specific to Coca-Cola, do you think this is a good time to get in, or should I yeah, wait a little Yeah, I think Coke's doing well. I mean, it's it's got a 3% yield. It, it does. It consistently does well. James Quincy is a really good manager. It's, it's not, it's not going to shoot the lights out, but you know what? We have some non-shoot-the-lights-out stocks for the Chapel Trust, and those do just fine. Not everything can be NVIDIA. Actually, nothing can be. All right, here's the moral of my NVIDIA story. If you're trying to make money in the stock market, you got to believe in something. If you can't do that, you'll never be able to stick with a winner like NVIDIA. You'll never be able to own, don't trade. We made money tonight. California's large utility is raising rates and restarting its dividend. I have been with the CEO fresh off our earnings, and she's been delivering. Then Builders First Sources cemented itself as a power player in the home improvement space. Believe it or not, the third best performer in the S&P 500 the last five years behind... Enphase Energy, and yes, indeed, the only one, the one and only NVIDIA. Can you imagine if we have NVIDIA talking about that, and then we have Builders for First number three. Oh, and how about this one that's a total winner, Wingstop. It's flying high today and up over 100% in the last six months. I'm hearing what's behind the recipe for success with the CEO, and do not forget, we care about percentage gains, not just marquee names. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, The best way to find candidates isn't to search, it's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some stocks just don't get enough love because their earnings come at the wrong moment. 
Take PG&E, the Northern California Electric and Gas Utility. It's going through a major turnaround. Now, I've told you I like the company repeatedly, but the stock's hostage to a sector nobody cared about, the utilities today. Not after the ball quarter from NVIDIA. It's too bad because this morning PG&E reported a nice top and bottom line beat with management raising their full-year forecast, a forecast that they'd only instituted three months ago. On top of that, after previously saying they could maintain at least 9% earnings growth in 2025 and 2026, they now say those numbers can continue in 2027 and 2028. PG&E can make that kind of cold shot because the utilities have a tremendous amount of visibility in the future. Very predictable business model. Initially, the stock rallied in response. That seemed right to me, but only finished the day down almost 1%. Money rotated back into tech. I think it's an opportunity. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Patty Poppy. She's the CEO of PG&E Corp. Get a better sense of what the quarter is, where things are going. Ms. Poppy, welcome back to Man Money. Thank you, Jim. Great to be with you. All right. So, I have to tell you, even someone on your conference call said it. What a bad day to report. You got this NVIDIA as a juggernaut. Nobody was thinking about a company quietly making you money that didn't go higher. I honestly think, and challenge me if I'm wrong, but that your company just didn't fit today's parameters. Well, that's for sure. And listen, look, this is a long game. We are writing a differentiated growth story at PG&E. We're a growthy utility. We delivered 12% EPS growth in 2023 and new guidance for 24 through 28, just like you said. I, I think in the long run, this is definitely a place to be. All right, so let's talk about some of the things that people were worried about. Wildfire ignition rate, new low. Wildfire reduction, 94%, up from 90, which people thought you could never do. Miles underground, 364, above target, below budget, despite weather that would have made me feel you couldn't do it. These are monumental, monumental changes that you've made. You should be proud. Well, I'm proud of my team. There's no doubt. They really delivered uh, and they continue to deliver. And that's because we have a way. We have a performance playbook, Jim. We call it our PG&E performance playbook. And it's got lean fundamentals, lean manufacturing, lean operations that we're deploying to the team, a safety management system and a way of uh, changing our culture. And it's showing up in the results. And those results are sustainable. It wasn't like a one time we had a good year. We're building the capacity to deliver year in and year out. Now, the last time I spoke to you, we saw some uh, fire victim trust stock out there that I thought was keeping a lid on it. That's now completely sold, correct? Correct. Just done. 100%. Now, you also, if you listen to Jensen today, like everybody did, uh, the the number of data centers, we just need more and more and more. I thought the data centers said goodbye to California. Power was too expensive. Didn't want to be there. Looks like that certainly isn't the case anymore. That's true. We were, we in fact, in 2023, had three times more data center requests than we had in the year previous. And you add in electrification of transportation, we had 27% of new vehicles sold in California in 2023 were EVs. So, and that's up from 23% the year before. So look, people are saying people aren't buying EVs, they're buying them in California and we get to power them. All right, let's speak of uh, distributed power for a second. We've had some uh Disasters when it comes to stocks, one of them is Sunrun, but they have a partnership where you're basically uh, bi-directionally charging. That seems like a win. Yeah, we're using batteries as a partner to solar. Solar by itself has certain benefits in the middle of the day. What we need is to have it dispatchable when the sun goes down that we can still use that energy. So pairing it with storage is a big part of our strategy. And uh, we were happy to do a partnership with Sunrun to bring that to our customers. But again, what I'm trying to find out or at least make people understand is that I've liked the stock for 20 percent, but I'm trying to figure out what gets us to 20. And one of the craziest things, I've been reading a lot of articles about San Francisco coming back. Now, we ourselves have seen it. 
And frankly, I have not seen it yet. I'm from Philadelphia, where a town that never really came back from when I was growing up. Uh, is there are there green shoots in, in uh, San Francisco? I would say there's green shoots all over the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. We have the privilege to serve San Jose and its surrounding Silicon Valley. We see a lot of growth happening there. We've got lots of demand. We are a, a good early warning sign, if you will, and we see increased growth and increased demand in those critical population centers, and we are proud to serve well, can, can uh, that, Silicon Valley. For sure. that, that's a story that, frankly, is not getting out enough. I mean, I only read one article about it, but I, I think sometimes you just get out there and you have anecdotal evidence things aren't turning. Uh, I don't know when people realize it, but it's, do you think it can snowball? Oh, for sure. And I, at a minimum, this, this transition, the clean energy transition is on in California. I know there's a lot of uh, politics and a lot of people trying to, trying to politicize the, the war on uh, climate change. But in California, we have the fortitude. We have the plan. We have the targets. And we're starting to show measurable progress to achieve them. And PG&E, as the largest utility in California, is going to be delivering the energy for that clean energy transition. That is a growth story. And it's a growth story utilities have not had in decades. We have the, the story to tell here in California. Do you think there's a chance that California could move up the date that everybody's got to be electrified? I don't think we need to move up the date. Having all vehicles, new vehicle sales by 2035 as electric vehicles is a pretty aggressive target. But we're seeing progress toward that. So the most important thing is that we continue to invest in the infrastructure that both reduces the pace of climate change and is infrastructure that is hardened for the new conditions of more extreme weather, like our undergrounding program that we delivered last year. That is the, under, the miles we underground last year, over 360 miles, will protect 1,500 families from ever having to worry, is that power line going to uh, intersect with a tree in my backyard? Is the tree going to fall on that power line in my backyard? They can sleep easy now. They have the right infrastructure for the right conditions. And when it snows there, they still have power. It's This is the right kind of infrastructure investment. And PG&E gets to deliver that kind of infrastructure for the uh, people of California. I think it's terrific. Last thing maybe that could explain why people are reluctant just to buy a lot of your stock. What's the put pushback on higher rates situation for you? Yeah, I think affordability is key on top of people's minds. We are excited about the progress that we can make continuing to lower bills. We've had some big catch-up increases that are showing up for customers right now. But as we look forward through 20, the rest of this year and 25 and 26, we're going to start seeing bills go down. And that'll be a new story for PG&E. And we look forward to telling that and serving our customers with our lean operating system, we take cost out of the business every day. We, in fact, beat our target. We had a 2% operating expense target reduction uh, for 2023, uh, and we delivered 5.5%. That's almost half a billion dollars of cost savings in 2023 that we can pass along to customers. So I think that uh, we have to continue to earn the trust of our customers. We know that energy has to be more and more affordable. We feel like we're the team who can actually deliver that for them. Well, so far, you've delivered on everything you promised on Mad Money, and that's for certain, which will lead to a higher stock. Patty Poppy, PG&E Corporation CEO. It's so great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Jim. Great to be with you. Absolutely. Mad Money's back in. Coming up. Better know a builder? Kramer sits down with a supply company to help lay your portfolio's foundation. Next. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. With NVIDIA getting all the attention today, I don't want you to overlook the fact that another one of the market's best performers over the past five years, Builders First Source, reported its own terrific upside surprise this very morning. This supplier of building materials to home builders and contractors delivered a massive $1.06 earnings beat off a $2.40 basis, fueled by dramatically higher than expected sales. On top of that, management gave a terrific full-year forecast and announced a $1 billion buyback. On top of that, $1.8 billion of stock they Tired last year. In response, the stock jumped 2.6% to a new all-time high. I wouldn't be surprised if it's got a lot more room to run. So let's take a closer look with Dave Rush. He's the CEO of Builders First Source. Mr. Rush, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you having me on the show. Well, it is very exciting to have you because we have been dealing with some of the uh, companies that are involved with, with, with terrific companies like Home Depot that are basically saying, well, I, things aren't that great. We don't really have the rate structure and people aren't moving like that. And then I look at Builders First, First Source, which works with every big contractor and the big home builders. You guys crush it. it, it how can you crush it and some of the big dogs not do as well? I tell you what has been amazing. When we came into the year, we, we were a little cautious as well. Uh, and what proved to be the point is uh, housing demand is really strong. And the demand uh, for housing and the fact that housing has been underbuilt uh, kept housing at a relatively stable level. That coupled with the fact that there's low existing home inventory out there, um, that set the precedent for national builders, at least, to, to work on, well, let's just get an affordable payment for new homeowners because we're really their only option. And those guys did a great job figuring it out. They used a combination of interest rate buy-downs. They maybe, uh, you know, reduced the size of the home, less options. But they got to a price point, a monthly payment, uh, that people that needed homes were able to get into the home. So it's not robust, but they kept it healthy. We just need a little help on the mortgage rate side, and then we really have uh, some uh, some positive thoughts that we're looking forward well, to. Well, it's incredible. I mean, we just had 11 straight rate, uh, interest rate hikes, and Builders First Source is one of the best-performing stocks in the entire market. That is, that is a tribute to you, to your team, but also a consolidated and fragmenting industry, and I think most importantly, technology. You've got the technology that lowers the gross margins of the builders. You've been we able to raise, I mean, just so I understand, like, what I'm saying is, is that you, because you do great technology, they can make more money per house. Well, what we've chosen to lead with, Jim, is our value-added uh, product portfolio. You know, one of the toughest things uh, in recent times that builders have faced is labor constraints. Right. Um, so our value-added solutions, our components, they're built in a controlled environment. They get delivered to the job site. They're ready to install addresses labor constraints, it addresses cycle time challenges, and it's a higher quality product. So we have chosen to invest heavily in this segment. We've invested over 100 million in uh, automation technology that also helps us control the cost or lower the cost of these products and address affordability concerns in that fashion. So we 
we've looked to ways to help reduce cycle times, give builders a better control over the labor constraint, and more importantly, we've continued to add capacity all through this cycle, even though it's a flat cycle, because we want to be ready when housing does start to pick up to be able to service all of our customers' needs with these products. Can you also talk about your value-added products, which is kind of a secret sauce versus the smaller guys who just don't have that? It's primarily truss and panel con- uh, for the shell construction, and then it's our component uh, millwork ready to install doors and, and, and then windows. So we want to be the best at the stuff that's hardest to do. These are the things that address current builder pain points better than lumber alone. Lumber's always gonna be in our DNA. We love lumber, we're good at lumber, but we wanna be the best at the value add solution because that's what differentiates us from the competition. Sir, I've gotta tell you, you're brilliant at your uh, use of capital. You are consolidating a fragment industry and just acquisition after acquisition is clearly paying off. But you bought back a ton of stock when it was right. I think it's because the market doesn't believe in a builder's first source, but you do and you know better. You're in your infancy when it comes to this. Well, I think they're starting to learn, right, (laughs) as you've seen the stock price recently. But at the end of the day, we've had a really disciplined capital uh, allocation strategy. We start first and foremost with maintaining our fortress balance sheet. We don't ever want to be over levered. At the end, uh, then we go with our organic CapEx needs and the things that we want to do to continue to grow organically. Then we look to our M&A strategy, which we've been very successful at from 2015 all the way up to the current year. Last but least, we, but not least, we'll buy back our shares when we see that they're undervalued. But we do that opportunistically and after we've looked at ways to grow the business. Right now, I want people to know that it isn't like you go to their stores. This is not a Home Depot. These are professional stores. There's 570 of them, according to your last deck. But you're, you're still you're in 43 states. But, sir, if I'm right, even though you do have the national reach right now and local expertise, there is room for a lot more builders first sources around this country. Well, we're in 88 of the top 100 MSAs, Um, so we we are focused on growing where our customers are growing. Um, But you're right. We uh, we tailor our our business to the professional contractor. Ninety-plus percent of our business is delivered to the job site. Um, We have a repair and remodel business, but it's tailored to more of the uh, uh, pro remodeler than it is the when the uh, weekend warrior DIY um, uh, consumer. Um, so we we believe there's still room to grow both organically and inorganically in the new construction space. And like I say, with currently. Uh, 60 plus percent of all mortgages are under 4%, uh, low, uh, low existing home inventory for sale. Um, new home construction is where people really almost have to go if they want to get into a new home. Well, look, I've got to congratulate you. And I'm so glad. I mean, I know I just I, I caught you a little unaware. When I saw the numbers, I said, I got to get this guy on. This guy is just delivering and delivering, delivering. I love NVIDIA, but I love people who make us money all the time. And there's more than one NVIDIA in this market. There's Dave Rush, who's the CEO of Builders for Source. What a performer. And it's so terrific to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jim, and thanks to the 30,000 uh, BFS employees that make it happen. Fantastic. Man, money's back in. 
after the break. Come fly with me and bring your appetite. Kramer plays a game of chicken next. We've seen a lot of pushback against higher prices across the economy, especially when it comes to food. But that's not a problem they have at Wingstop. Yep, the number one fast casual chicken wing chain poured a stellar quarter yesterday. Nice top and bottom line beat paired with phenomenal domestic same-store sales worth. Get this, up 21%. When Wall Street was only looking for 15%. Management credit that almost entirely to transaction growth, meaning they don't have a volume problem at all. We're going to get into that. Doesn't hurt, of course, the chicken wings costs have come down. Comes up big, but meaning they don't have to raise prices to maintain profitability. Initially, the stock actually sold off. That was stupid, okay? Possibly because it had run up in the quarter. Wingstop's full-year forecast was only in line. But upon further review, it shot up 7.6% today. People figured it out. New high. So does this thing have more upside, or is it too late to jump on board? Let's dig deep with Michael Skipper. He's the president and CEO of Wingstop to learn more about the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Skipper, welcome back to Man Money. Thank you. People want value. They want bargain. They want Wingstop. Talk about what it means to do it on transaction, not price. We had a record year in 2023 for Wingstop, the strongest year ever. And we grew our business primarily by transaction growth. And I think that's because of two things. We were very disciplined around pricing. We took one to two points of price. And what we saw was our value scores throughout 2023 improved. And consumers, the research that we do, they tell us they prioritize two things, quality and value. And I think that's positioned us well to grow our business, increase transactions at an industry-leading level. Now, one of the things that you have that people that might not understand is you've got incredible operators. Uh, I was talking before about Philadelphia, where you've got amazing wing stops. But the fact is, people can't just go and say to you, I want a wing stop. 95% of existing uh, partners, that's who you get by, puts up the wings. You have solid operators putting them up who know how to run them, and therefore they, have, they make a lot more per unit than a lot of other guys. That's right. That's right. 95% of the restaurants we open were our brand partners reinvesting into Wingstop. And even more than that, we opened 255 restaurants, but we ended the year with a record pipeline of sold commitments, increased it by almost another 600 to 1,400 commitments going into 2024. Well, also what, what's amazing to me, uh, you guys, people, someone on the call said, well, aren't there a lot of guys doing wings? I thought you might say, yeah, well, that, is, that, that could be an issue. But no, you saying that the category is still relatively unknown. Yeah, we believe we're operating in a category of one. And we see other brands try to add wings, promote wings, and we actually like that. Because if a consumer is aware of Wingstop and then their wings are top of mind, there's not a decision tree. They're going to Wingstop. Now, you are about to launch a new proprietary tech stack, My Wingstop, on April 1st. What will that be like? Jim, we're excited about My Wingstop. We think it's our next chapter in our digital journey. We ended the year with 67% of our sales coming through digital channels. That's up over 63% a year ago. And we think My Wingstop is just the next chapter in our journey to digitize 100% of our business. Now, it also seems that uh, international, still, you've got a lot of runway in international. It's just really kind of what, you're only in 10 countries? We're in 10 markets outside of the U.S., We're actually seeing volumes consistent with what we see here in the U.S., strong returns, a lot of demand. And we think that international business, it's supercharged for growth. It's gaining momentum. You combine that with our U.S. business, we're up 
over 2,200 restaurants, and we think we can over triple the size of our footprint. Man, that is unbelievable. And another thing that when I, I look at what you guys are up to, I see that you could go, you went from 1.6 million units to 1.8. You think you can do $2 million a unit? There's almost no chain that can do that. We're, we have line of sight in expanding How? our unit volumes to north of 2 million. We still have a huge gap with brand awareness. We're bringing in new guests via chicken sandwich. The delivery channel is growing really strong for us. Digital expansion, all of those things give us confidence to increase our AUVs from 1.8 to well north of $2 million. And we're doing that on an investment that's still less than $500,000 on average. The payback is what, a year less and a half? two years, It's yes. incredible to me. Now, right. uh, 11 sauces plus a, whatever, uh, a featured sauce? A little, little hot honey. We like to do that. Our guests really love it when we innovate with flavor. It creates flavor news, excitement. It brings them into the restaurant. And we really enjoy engaging with our guests that way. Heavy rotation during the NFL worked for you, didn't it? It worked really well. And what I love is people say, we see your commercials everywhere. But we're still only on about one spot a game. And so there's a ton of runway for us, and our advertising strategy is working, and clearly it's showing up in the numbers. Now, once again, those of you who are thinking, well, I got to own a Wingstop, you only like operators who know what the heck they're doing, which is why it works so well, correct? That's right. That's right. We have a heavy emphasis on operating great restaurants, and our brand partners, team members in the restaurants have done a fantastic job. We're measuring record levels and guest satisfaction scores, which is just helping solidify and strengthen the business. I, I've always tried to figure out, because I remember when you guys first came on, it was 26 bucks. I liked it immediately. I love the taste of it. I still think you have a lot more room in the stock price because people still don't know. We do, too. We do, too, Jim. And we are doing this in a highly franchised model. We generate a right. lot of cash flow. We just completed our first share repurchase authorization. Right buying back stock. We bought it back at a really great price, and we're not done. We're as excited. long as you've got those great operators, that model is the best in the business. I got to tell you, I am so impressed with what you have done. And I, I've been trying to buy one for many years, and because I don't own any, I do not own all existing ones. I can't get in, even though I had my own restaurants. Didn't seem to matter at all. Michael Skipworth is the CEO of Wingstop. Take a look at them. Eat them. They're fantastic. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls. And the sky's the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. It is time. Start the lightning round. We're back for all the changes of the union. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Kramer, we might start with Brandon in New Jersey. Brandon. Hey, Um Yeah, I was going to ask about maybe a, a new dog name. I'm not sure. But uh, have you heard of Global Foundry? Sure, I know Tom well. He was on TV the other day, Tom Caulfield. And I think it's an interesting stock. I'm not a big Foundry guy unless it's Taiwan Semi. And that's the one I like. Let's go to Bill in Massachusetts. Bill. Hi, Jim. How are you this evening? I, I am good, Bill. How about you? Hey, uh, Jeff, All everybody in the company, everybody's doing great. The club thank is going fantastic. I want to thank you for all that. Thank you. Uh, you hit it out of the park with NVIDIA. You did. Yeah, thank you very you much. You really did. Thank That's you. incredible. 
Uh, the, the company I'd like to ask you about is Dan and her. What a comeback Dan Hur's made. Now, you're a club member, so you know that thing has been a rocket ship ever since the IPO market started thawing. And I've got to tell you, I think you can go higher, just like the Dan Hur of old. Thank you for the kind comments. And yes, indeed, we've got our Saturday club meeting. I cannot wait to meet so many great people who are members of our club. Bruce in Ohio. Bruce. How you doing, Jim? Yeah, I was just wondering your opinion on Kelmaine Foods. Uh, just unnecessary. An unnecessary stock to own, frankly. Uh, ineffectual, not there for me. Uh, I do like Tyson on a valuation discount. Let's go to Arthur in California. Arthur. Booyah, Jim. How are you? I am doing well, Arthur. How about you? Okay, okay. Wow. It's uh, nice to hear from you. Uh, Jim, I have this particular interest on uh, cloud-based AI software consulting company. Okay. And thanks to you, man, I'm making money based on your recommendations on Salesforce. And uh, Jim, I was just wondering um, about your expert opinion on this uh, rock star company called Workday. Workday, Salesforce, and ServiceNow are the three that have the models that I like. They are true platform companies. We've been behind them all the way. I would double down by the right now on ServiceNow after what I heard Jensen say last night. They are the best adopters so far. You've got three winners there. Let's go to Marie in Delaware. Marie. Hey, greetings from Southern Delaware, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. First time caller, third year club member. Thank you. My question is about Vertiv. I bought it in early 2021 because of Dave Cody's leadership. I worked for him when I was at Honeywell. I sold half in early December since it was up over 100% and I was going with the play with the house's money. Totally. Now I'm wondering... Should I sell or No, no, you're done. You got you're playing with the house of money. You are in great shape. That quarter was magnificent. The stock sold off instantly because they are very conservative coming right back. Dave Cody's still involved. They got a fantastic management. They are the guts of a data center. Stay long and congratulations. Great work. Let's go to Mike in Connecticut. Mike. Jim, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, every time I read your books or watch your show, I think of the old expression. Um Give a man a fish, keep him being, from being hungry for a day. Teach a man to fish, keep him from being hungry for a lifetime. Well, you taught me to fish, and I caught some pretty good ones. Latest one I hooked was PSTG. What They've gotten their act together. You know, this, this had been an inconsistent company that now Enterprise stores, they really do have it together, and I think it's a good one, and I would not let it go. It should have a higher multiple given its consistency. Let's go to Raj in Florida. Raj. Hey, Jim, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, and I'm a member of Pro and Investment Club. Excellent. Thank, Thank you, you very much for your advice that you give every day, and I watch your program every day. Thank you. Thank you for doing the service for us. Of course. Yeah, my question, Jim, is uh, I have uh, holdings in the ARM um, Art is magnificent. Yeah. Renee Haas is doing an incredible job. I've got to tell you, you know, there is going to be a lockup that expires. You're going to get some stock. You can put some on now, and then we get the lockup. We'll be able to buy more, and that's the right thing to do. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, a new industrial revolution in the making. The man Kramer calls Da Vinci leads the charge into the future. Next. If I have one visceral takeaway from that magnificent NVIDIA quarter, it's don't be a Luddite. 
That was a sub rosa message from CEO Jensen Wong's comments on the conference call. Don't try to stand in the way of new technology. Don't fight the current AI revolution the same way the original Luddites fought the industrial revolution. There's a vicious reactionary current bubbling up that says accelerating computing and generative AI will wipe out millions of jobs as they displace less skilled workers with smart machines. I think that's myopic. Just think about last night's conference call from NVIDIA. Far from being about job destruction, the call was actually a pin to the creation of new jobs, perhaps millions of jobs, as trillions of dollars in new machines replace all the existing architecture of general computing. We know this because the call itself was filled with new companies that most of us have never really ever heard of. Recursion, Biomedica, Runway, Perplexity, and so many others that are using NVIDIA's H100 chips to research new drugs, create biomarkers, develop software that can write its own code with just a prompt from a normal person without a computer science degree. These companies will compete with the likes of Merkin and Amgen, Adobe, Microsoft, and they wouldn't even exist without AI. Meanwhile, the sheer number of new data centers and factories using these new technologies will create trillions of dollars in value as the current data centers are outmoded, while many new ones need to be built. We'll get through the whole new PC cycle that all the chip makers have been waiting for. The hiring machine that was once analog devices bricked to the bottom of last night's earnings call. We'll be back with Blazing Speed. Who else wins? Oh, well, how about outfits like Verdant with the wiring of a data center, the lifeblood, if you will, or Eden, a maker of machinery that can be used to great effect, charitable trust name, or even Caterpillar with its largest vertical helping to create the foundation of these hulking monsters filled with Grace Hopper machines of huge size. Meanwhile, sovereign AI will almost certainly be a business in each country, even if that business doesn't exist yet. Nations need to preserve their own culture and their own language, not let it be held back by machines that are mainly trained using English data sets. Of course, the Luddites who fight against this new industrial revolution do have a toe to stand on, because yes, some jobs will be destroyed. Many of the companies that are going to prosper interrupt the growth of the call center with, uh, with bots that are smarter than humans, not to mention a lot less frustrating. Those jobs will be phased out. Duplicative non-revenue producing tasks could be obviated with the help of ServiceNow. By the way, the most highlighted company on last night's call. But the displaced people won't be able to find other jobs elsewhere, just like the spinners and weavers ultimately did in the early 19th century. This new industrial revolution powered by NVIDIA simply can't be stopped. But more importantly, it shouldn't be stopped. The Luddites didn't win two centuries ago, and they won't win now. Because the benefits of the Industrial Revolution were so much greater than the relatively small number of people who lost their careers. I bet AI will be the same. Just beware, the reaction is coming. You might be tempted to embrace it. But history says don't bother. The future can't be stopped. And if it passes any guide, it shouldn't be stopped either. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and 
starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.